Thank you for listening to the Queen of Wands. This is DJ Nocturna, and I'm speaking with producer, songwriter, and one of the founders of Her Vanished Grace, Charlie Nealon. Thank you so much for this opportunity um, to, to speak with you and have you on the oh, show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I really love your uh, your music, your, your latest one that you just saw, uh, um, Divisions and uh, Tightrope. Yeah, thank uh, you very much. Yeah, I love the lyrics in there, and I, I I played it in the show before, and so I, and I read about your your bio, and I, I was I was really you know I wanted you know I, I love the the you know that you've done a lot of stuff you know through the years, and uh, yeah, you know, and, I'm, it, it's it's I, I'm really glad you like those songs. It's <laughs> it was really uh, like a labor of love to make those songs become big productions and i've been writing songs for the past couple years and it um they really felt like they were leading to something and mm. it all went with the mood of the times and everything felt like so uh everything felt like so dehumanized like we were treating each other like enemies all the time and i just kept writing about that even though i was my songs were written for this thing called Bushwick Book Club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh -huh. so, so the songs all have a kind of a connection to a different book. Each oh. song does. But, but I often like pretty much write about what I feel like writing about. And I use the book as kind of a foil just to give me some imagery or maybe take an idea and relate it to what's going on right now or whatever. So and when you're talking about the book club, are you talking about the those four singles that you release? Are you taking it from that? Is that what you mean? Well, no. I mean, I, the, the singles for the album are all going to be on the Divisions album, which comes out in March. Mm -hmm, yeah. But the past few years, I've been involved in a performance series oh, that called Bushwick it. Book Club. Yeah. So that, that explains why... Um, I was reading about the the tightrope. Tight tightrope was influenced by a book, right? Yeah. Um, a book called um, Little Liar. Yes. Yeah, it's a novel actually by Julia Gray, and that's where. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we, that 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 was really exciting. To I went to London for that Bushwick Book Club, and we met Julia Gray, and performed for her with a bunch of other English artists who had oh. all written songs inspired by that book. And, uh, but I remember when I wrote Tightrope, I, I was like, okay, this is going to go somewhere. I really like this song. Like, I really want mm -hmm. the songs. When we, each of these events, we, we, uh, we have an event like each month where a book is chosen and everybody writes a song about it. Mm -hmm. And then we, and, um, everyone presents it. And, uh, I knew. I like to make the song have a life of its own beyond that thing. So I want the song to be relatable to anyone who hasn't read the book, you know? Yeah. And and I also want it to be able to fit, like, on a future album or something. So I, I kind of... I, I try to write in a way that makes the song more universal than just about the book. Because I... And so... I, yeah. No, I was going to say that because you know when I first heard the song, I I thought that it was written last year, right during the pandemic. So I, I figured it must have must have been a little bit influenced by what was going on with the world. You know? Yeah, it's funny how I mean a lot of the music that a lot of the songs that I wrote felt like they were about this 
coming time, you know, and it was it was about this conflict and about this struggle to uh, find meaning in what's going on mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the the about the conflict that everybody seems to be having with their selves and their neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I wrote a lot of these songs like a you know a whole year before the pandemic and the year before the election of the of uh, mm-hmm. of 2020, and they just got more relevant as time went on. You know, yeah. And, and it's almost like a prognosticating, like a like a I don't know, like a forecasting. <laughs> yeah, it it felt a little like that. And yeah. then I'm a producer, and I share my studio with several other producers, and. We're usually pretty busy, and then you know when the pandemic hit, we all had to, you know, leave the studio alone. Mm-hmm. And after you know June, late June, early July, I started working with some artists again, you know, with masks and everything. But the studio was pretty empty. My other producers weren't using it very much, and I don't know. I just felt this urge to record the songs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I started working on it in July, and by November it was ready. You know, I just was like recording, recording, recording. I was really, once I got going, I it was really had a lot of momentum. Yeah, it's like no stopping you now, right? <laughs> At that point, yeah. Um, it was fun. I'm. Yeah. I mean, aside from the drums and a, a couple guest appearances, I I did I played everything. So that's mm-hmm. always kind of a challenge. Instead of working with chemistry that you have with another musician to like really sort of settle in and figure out what's the right thing for each song and you know i had some ideas going in what they were but other ones i just left it open to discover and it was really exciting that's always the best thing and so the you know you're the musicians involved here you you have a susan uh, huang is that how you pronounce okay She's on That's a correct. she's on an interesting instrument. <laughs> I call it, I yes. think it's called a, a jangu. Jangu. Yeah, and and you can see that on the video. I I was watching yes, the video. Yes, she used it in the video. It looks kind of like um what do you call that? It's like it's like drums, but um, you put it in front of it's, you and then you. Uh, it's a yeah. It's a Korean drum. She oh. she's from Korea. Mm. And um, she's the founder of Bushwick Book Club. Oh, okay, okay. And so I've I've been friends with her for a while, and uh, maybe in 2013 I started doing songs with Bushwick Book Club, you know, on and off. And eventually I started running it with her. Mm. So now, um, and and then we also formed a duo. We have a separate duo called Lusterlit. Oh, okay. Where we we play on each other's songs, and um, we've made some singles and some EPs, but. Uh, but so, but she actually worked on. Um, she was there when I wrote "Tightrope," and I thought it was good to have her in the video. And she she sang and played drums on the recording as well. And then on the video too, there's um, there's a um, uh, an actress, I guess you can say, uh, Amy Gordon. Yeah, Amy Gordon. Yeah, and she's um, another um, talented. Uh, I, I don't know. She I think she does a lot of things. Yeah, um, I I only met her through the director B A, mm-hmm. and B A did some videos for um, her Vanished Grace back uh, you know like nine years ago, yeah. And I, she was so good then, and I've watched her develop over the years. And I I knew I wanted to ask her to do a video for this, and she chose Tightrope as the song. I yeah. gave her the choice of a few songs, and she picked that one. I was like, "Okay." Yeah, that, that's, and, a, that's uh, a really good. Uh, that's a really good video as well. 
yeah, yeah. she was so imaginative it, it's like mm-hmm. a it's like um um uh oh darn it the name of the guy it's like edward scissorhands in a in a oh yeah yeah uh-huh. in, like 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 um eleanor Sciz- scissorhands <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like, but anyway yeah, yeah it's, it's the, the other track oh, it's I like, like a tim burton movie that's what i wanted to say it's oh, like a little tim, tim burton. burton movie yeah <laughs> yeah well you know the song is very um what do you call it um mesmerizing you know the lyrics are great and so are the Division too has really good lyrics and sound. I love Division. Thank you. It has that. It has very hypnotic kind of sound. Um, that really, that really was, that sort of was the, the catalyst for the whole album. That song. Mm-hmm. And once I got that song going, I kind of knew that, oh, I see all these other songs want to be with that song, yeah. and, I mean, it's very, you know, that song isn't really. Yeah. A regular pop song structure. It's more of like a mm-hmm. sort of incantation, or if it's very hypnotic, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just, it just came very naturally. Yeah. Yeah. The recording was very, yep. actually, I really had to tear it down and re rebuild it. It, it. it was interesting. It was that took some doing because when I wrote the song to be performed for the first time, I wrote it on the lap steel guitar. Mm-hmm it has a little loop at the beginning of the bass notes on the lap steel and then I and then the whole song was like chords and leads and mm-hmm. very very sort of spacey approach to the lap steel uh-huh. and and um, I was always a big fan of the band Yes and uh-huh. Steve Howe and Yes the guitar player he uses a lap steel in this very psychedelic yeah, way uh-huh. oh. I've always loved that and so I wanted to write a song based around the lap steel and, and I did and then when I recorded it you know, I did the lap seal first, naturally, and uh, did some vocals over it, and then I gave it to the drummer, Brian, and he um, he he did that beautiful drum part, mm-hmm. and then I started listening, going, you know, the lap, I can't have lap steel be the whole song. You know, it was like too, it was just too much sound. It was it was it, was, it started getting wearing out its welcome. You know. Yeah. I tore the whole thing down and, and, and rebuilt it after hearing some other stuff and going like, oh, I know, I wanted to have a big slow build. Mm-hmm. And then the lap steel comes in at the end, like it's a character in the song, but not like the whole thing. And I was, that was really inspiring. When I did that, I was like, okay, I know how, how to work with these songs. Yeah, that's, like, that's good. So th- this is, um, so you have four singles released right now, right? And then you have, uh, you have an album coming out, which is also called Divisions, coming out in, is it March? In March, year? yes. Yeah. Okay. Beginning of March. Okay, we're looking forward to that, and um, yeah. So That's you know, thirteen you, songs. Yeah, thirteen songs. Oh, thirteen songs. Okay. Yeah. So, well, how do you feel about the other out about the other songs that we haven't that you haven't released yet? They're so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like okay. them too. Is, so. is, is there a particular is there a particular song that I should be um, looking out for? From that well, there's a couple. There's mm-hmm. a there's a couple that are are really big favorites of mine. I mean, y- you know, I I really was exploring some different influences in my musical life as I went in. Part of it was the pandemic. I I had this weird um, Twitter project where I someone invited me to do one of those things. We put up ten album. Oh yeah, covers yeah. Uh-huh. that in- influenced you. Uh-huh. But but I just kept going. I did like over a hundred. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And, the, I mean, and, when you and, love music, you you can you can do that forever. Right, I just kept doing it, and <laughs> and it, it, it said not to just with no descriptions, but I I couldn't help it. I used the Twitter limitation of trying to think of like a two sentence description for each album, mm-hmm. and it it made me revisit like a lot of music that always inspired me, and I think that had a real part to play in the album divisions. So oh. I kind of revisited the various sort of touchstones of my musical life in mm-hmm. terms of my favorite dream pop albums, my favorite like Beatles records, mm-hmm. my favorite like progressive rock records and and I don't know all sorts of different stuff, and classical music. So if, if there and, if there was like two um, two songs that you would you would recommend me to play when that when the album comes out, what would what would that be? Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I, I kind of digress. No, that's okay. Um, the song um, that I really love is called "Meta Incognita." Okay, and it's a song about how we find ourselves in space and time, and and how our brains work. It was a book all about that, and um, it's kind of a, a song about. Um, not so much map making, but how we how we define ourselves in space. But anyway, it's it's a kind of an epic song that has like a big tempo change and a whole different section in the middle, and it comes back to the beginning at the end. And so I, I really like that song. Wow. Okay. And then how, okay, that's one. And um, there's another song that's called "The Falling Man." Okay. That that that's a real grower. I keep listening to that album and going like oh the, the falling man i hope people remember to listen to this one you know because I, I you know there's a lot of songs on the album and okay i'll be i'll be i'll be i'll be, I'll be looking out for that one those two songs and it's it reminds me of i don't know it it's a little bit in the vibe of like ocean rain by echo and the bunny man or something oh okay yeah yeah which is just one of my favorite records you know yeah. and yeah I, I i know you're a big fan of the 80s you know i know you um you know, you you the Cocteau Twins, and um, you know, yeah. you, and you like Su- Susie and the Banshees, and those are all the stuff I grew up listening to as well. Yeah, and, uh, th- that's and, great stuff. Yeah, and you and you are one of the founders of um, of your band, Her Vanish Grace. Yeah, um, which is kind of like uh, what would you describe it? Shoegaze, dream pop? Is it something? I, I like? guess we called it power dream pop. Yeah, that, that's a, was, that's something you you guys created, right? That you created that genre of its own. I guess. I mean, say. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I believe that I think that shoegaze is more of a sensibility than a genre. Mhm. S- same thing with maybe like goth. Like yep. like like the the early like if you listen to First and Last and Always and then you listen to mm-hmm. like something like heavy alternative. It's like or or Peter Murphy or something or Bauhaus. It's like they're really different, you know. It's like every or the Cure sounds really different from Susie, and and they're the Cocteau Twins are really different, even though they could all be played at a goth night at a club. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. So I I always think that it's more of a sensibility than like specific like guardrails that like say, well, this is this genre and this is that genre. I tend to like when somebody takes dream pop elements and puts them into something with like a really cool drum and bass beat or something you know or, or like a remix like, yeah or, or or just to mix different 
elements together from different genres and let them because really shoegaze itself was just another kind of alternative style you know mm -hmm. yeah. or a, a post maybe post-punk you know or whatever they want to mm -hmm. call it so, so i you know i have i i like to see the genres mixed together so how did you form her vanished grace i know you you formed it with your with your wife yeah back, back my, in the day my, like my wife and I formed it as we got married. Uh -huh. and, and and um what well, what was that like 1980 88 88 Uh-huh. Yeah. So this, this and, is, uh, so this is like before MySpace. <laughs> before any of that. Yes, stuff. exactly. <laughs> yeah, really It was long before time ago. the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really was. Yeah. There was no internet at first. Uh, and we just guys, had how cassettes. How did you meet you know? and how, how did you form the the band with her? Well, we met at working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Oh, in okay. New York City, mm -hmm. and then um, we just, after talking about music, we were like, we knew that we liked a lot of the same music. She loved Susie and Love and Rockets, and so did I. So, were, yeah. were you both working there? You were both like curators. Yeah, we were or both. Or something? We were both working. Okay. We we weren't teenagers. I I. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm really no, no, old. no. I said was no. Are you guys? No, I meant. Are you? Were you guys like curators or something in the art? Oh um, no, oh. no. We were. We worked in the gift shops. Oh, in the gift shop. Okay. There was remote gift shops all over the museum. Oh, and okay. th these are both like kind of our first jobs out of school. You know, wow. it was like one of those kind of jobs. And and uh, but it was a great place to work. It was really interesting. Oh yeah, especially and uh, age. <laughs> yeah, back yeah. In the, especially back in the day. Yeah, it's yeah, even more so. And it, you know, it's like '80s New York and like '90s New York, and and so we formed the band just as a duo, and I played a lot of different instruments and had, you know, a sequencer, mm -hmm. and we would, you know, we would have backup tapes and play over that live, and then we started meeting musicians in the '90s and put together a couple different iterations of the band. Mm -hmm. So, and so finally, wait, wait, so was that was that was her Vanished Grace your first band? It was. No, I had some bands in like high school and oh, college. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But you know? I mean, the first major band, the first real. I would say band. the first yeah. band where I really found my voice as a writer. You know, oh, well, I mean, there was a couple of things in 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 college where that prepared me for it. Put it that way. Where I, I discovered, like after I heard Susie, mm -hmm. and I was start, I started to be able to mix the different things that I did, and after and then after I heard The Cure, and it just all gave me permission. That's when when I hear a good band, I feel like it gives me permission to explore things, mm -hmm. even if I'm I'm not necessarily imitating them, but I'm like, oh look what they get to do. I want to do that something that free, you know, and. Uh, what you about, know every. How, what about the name? How did you guys? Uh, what What does that mean? Her vanished. Grace? I that was, literally, it was pulled out of an alchemy book. We were like just looking for names, and it was like a phrase. And oh. there was a a long list of band names that came from that process, and we picked that one. It doesn't really have a strong. Uh, meaning, mm. but I like it because it's yeah, everybody. It sounds, it sounds great. Yeah, really. Yeah. It really does. So who, who who writes the lyrics for for um for the band? For Vanished Grace, mm -hmm. um, we both did. It's like it depends who is writing this, who is singing oh. the song. It's one of those. It's like a Lennon McCartney thing. Like whoever was singing the song, like we sometimes would help each other finish lyrics with a phrase or two. But basically, whoever is singing it got to write the lyrics. And uh, yeah, and I, I by the way, I love the you mentioned Lennon McCartney. Um, I love the Across the Universe. 
that conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like that. That, that was really fun. That was interesting because that was that arrangement of the song came from back in 1988. Mm-hmm. And then when we did it in 2010 or whatever that was, 2011, I, I just redid it like note for note pretty much with like better sounds because <laughs> yeah. it was such, such a good arrangement. I loved that feeling. Of it. it was a little bit like, like, uh, Lorelei by the Cocteau Twins. Yeah. That uh-huh. was Yeah. That was an influence. And then uh I don't know, it was fun. It it kind of it t- kind of ran its course finally her vanish grace did. But the last oh, I was going to ask you that. Last, I was, was going to ask you if you're going to if you guys are planning on anything upcoming, yeah, you know, album it, or anything. It's it's the, the 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 marriage is over, the band is over. It's oh. been over for mm-hmm. about like 8 years or so. Oh. But the uh, but you know we're 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 still in touch. It's it's, but the uh, the last I would say between 2004 and 2012, her vanish grace that was like the best kind of. We really got mm-hmm. to a place, and we had a great group of people. And in fact, um, there, there's two drummers who play on divisions, and one of them is Billy Luce, who was the her vanish grace drummer for that period. Oh, okay, that's and, good. Yeah, and um, we're we're still close. <laughs> So some of the, some of these new songs, oh, like the Falling Man. The Falling Man is not unlike Her Vanished Grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's me and Billy, and it, it does sound a little bit Her Vanished Grace to me. Wow. So, so, so you, you might know, like that. I mean, you're a producer, you're a songwriter. I know you. I know you do a lot of things, and um, I know you've been writing and producing music now for what a very long time. Like what? So yeah. you're going back to the '80s. So that's like over 20, 30. What is it? Almost? I can't say 30 years. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely 30 that. years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. See how far that goes back. And you, you've worked also with a lot of established artists um, that you've written and produced materials for them, like uh, Rufus uh, Wainwright, right? Yeah. The Scissor Sisters that, and the poor right. Blondie herself, Debbie Harry, which yeah, which is uh, which is wonderful and. Uh, and you were awarded, those are great experiences. Yeah, you've been awarded a, a gold record in the in the UK for that production work that you did for that greatest hits album from from her, the yeah. Sight and Sound. That was um, that was the that was the first thing we did for for her. Yeah, how how, how, and, did, how uh, did you get connected? How did you um how did you how were you able to do that? Well, how did, at, how at the, the yeah, how did that in happen? the early two in the early two thousands, I started, uh, I formed a production team with another musician that we knew named Barb Morrison. Uh-huh. And we started producing other people, which was weird for me at first. I, th- well, I, mean, I thought it was going to be weird because I thought I just can produce my own music. And I just didn't think I had the brain space to work on other people's music. But it turned out to be very stimulating and really good for me all around. And, and I'm, I kind of have a knack for working with people and helping them mm-hmm. realize their okay. dream as they're working and then figure helping them find the thing that they're trying to get to as they're imagining things and not be afraid to fail and like mess around and mm-hmm. get to a good idea but anyway um we one of our first jobs was to work with this person named um named guy who is uh-huh. in uh the band called the toilet boys uh-huh and uh Guy was really good friends with Debbie and had her come in and sing on one of his songs, and that was really nerve wracking. It was like, oh my god, Debbie Harry's in the room, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like you would imagine it would be. It's like there she is, and she's super nice, and she's really puts you at ease, and then you sort of relax, 
and then she walks in the vocal booth and you're the producer and you hit record and her voice comes out of the speaker and you're like ah all over again you know you're like, <laughs> oh my god it's debbie harry yeah that's amazing and and then after that she kind of asked us to do this thing where she was going to sing a club gig at in in new york i can't remember what club it was but um she was going to sing three songs and she wanted this sort of like updated versions of some blondie songs to sing and i know around that time it was like electric clash was pot popular mm-hmm. and like so we did something that sounded a little like the band peaches uh-huh. the artist peaches like and we took this song called in the flesh was was kind of a doo-wop 50s song that blondie did on their first album and we updated it into this really weird version oh. and she they ended up liking it so much they put it on the Blondie Greatest Hits album that came out at that time. Is is that the one, the Sight and Sound? That's on Sight and Sound, oh, and then, okay. and Sight and Sound was one of those albums. It's a UK album, but it came out like just at the tail end of yeah, the you know CD what? I, era. I, I actually have that album. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I was I, I couldn't remember the title, but I looked it up and I saw the picture. It's the same. Yeah, I have that. I have yeah. it on CD it, though. I don't have it in. A it record. has like a CD yeah. and a DVD in it. It says yeah. like so you can has videos and music, but it was like, you know, it's, people were still buying CDs. Like it was right at the tail end of that era, and so yeah. the album went gold. You know. Yeah. Wow. And um, so then we got a gold record. It was really awesome. But and then after that, Debbie asked us to keep writing with her, and that's when we started writing songs. And over the course of about a year and a half, her record company, well, it was actually her her management company who had a record label, got interested. And then they decided to put out this album called Necessary Evil. Yeah, that's a, that's a two-time blues song, right? The, the single that you, yeah. you, you, you co-produced with, uh, I'm not sure, with, with right. her maybe, or you co-wrote, you, you co-wrote right. that, right? Yeah. I, I uh, co-wrote that with, with Barb Morrison and Debbie, all the songs on that record, almost all of them, were co-written by the three of us. Yeah, and, and that and, that, that um, particular song was actually very successful on the dance floor. I yeah, it had a good. There are different versions. There's like remixes of that song too, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, the remixes actually went further mm-hmm. than the than the original album. You yeah, know, the yeah. album didn't get quite promoted as it should, but it got some really good notices. Like the the edge was quoted as saying that it was his one of his favorite albums of the year or something. Yeah, you I know, know, it was you know re- I'll probably I'll, play, I'll probably play that song um, after the interview w- sometime. You know, during the after this interview. That would be sure. great. It's a really great. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I was just listening to it recently. I hadn't listened to it in a while, and that's a great song. And I remember writing it in my living room and, and presenting it to Debbie the next day because I wrote it. It was right at the end of the tail end of finishing the record. Uh-huh. As one of those songs that came in at the last minute. And and I was originally, when I wrote it, I was sitting there writing, going, this is going to be a great Hervanna's Grace song, you know? <laughs> and oh. then, and then I just, the whole thing came, the whole, all the music came like really fast, all the parts. And I was like, this is, oh, I love this song. It's so fast and like big and dreamy. And, and then I was like, oh, I have a session with Debbie tomorrow. I have to present it to Debbie first. Oh, and they, I did. They did and great. They, yeah, that's great. And, well, then she started singing over it, and it was just like, oh, my God. It was almost like a Blondie song. It, sound, it has that kind of anthemic soaring, you know? No, oh, yeah. So it was really exciting. And you also composed the music for the film um, with Glenn Close, The Safety of Objects. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun, weird job. And yeah, tell us about that. Uh, so you, you, you did the score, right, of that film. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a challenge. 
Um, and that, that was actually around the time we met this person I'm referring to, Barb Morrison, that I formed the production team with. Mm-hmm. She, her band and our band, uh, Vance Grace and her band called Itchy Trigger Finger, we shared a rehearsal space and... I don't know. We we just we we're looking for something to do, and we did some music together for a score for a dance troupe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we had this music that we had done together, and the director for Safety of Objects, well, the director for this movie that was going to happen, came into a bar where Barb was working, and was like talking, going, "I need someone to score this movie." And Barb was like, "Oh, here's some score we just did," uh-huh. and handed her a CD. And then a few weeks later, or maybe it was a couple months later, they actually asked us to do it. And so we started off as just doing the score, and then they had all these songs in the movie that characters sang and stuff. And then they asked our various bands to like contribute songs to the movie as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's specifically uh, a band that Barb and I had with another singer named Michael... Cavadias and his band called Bullet, uh-huh. and he was an he was an actor. He was in a movie called The Wonder Boys and some other stuff. Um, uh-huh. but he uh, he sang this, these songs for the movie, and they were really moving and really intense. And it was it was really a big job. It was like we ended up doing every minute of music in the movie. You know, even the oh, the wow. background the background <laughs> stuff in a restaurant. If there's a, a song coming out of a radio, or the, the the score itself or the songs and, and really interesting job. Oh, I, I, yeah, I gotta check that out. I'm. Do they have that on CD? No. It's just, we, it's just, we, it's just on the on the video. Yeah, there, there's. We had a we had a, a soundtrack album ready. I mm-hmm. I sequenced it and put it all together. You know, made the songs have bits of dialogue between them. I was. And then the the movie got like picked up by a different production company, and then they weren't going to do a soundtrack. So oh, okay. I could send you, I could like um, send it to you. Oh <laughs> if yeah, you I would to love hear to hear it. it. Yeah, sure, I would yeah, love to hear yeah. it. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's the, really this is like from t- exactly uh, twenty years ago. <laughs> I know that's like that's amazing, and and you also yeah. did the music for the pilot episode of the L Word, which is uh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That was yeah. That was the well, the, the director went on to become the show runner uh-huh. of or, or, or she I guess she was the director of the L word of a lot of the episodes so is, is this the pilot from the very beginning because I, I think it was the, the pilot uh-huh. but it, it, it's the pilot but then the pilot got you know it was, it was super exciting because we were like oh we're going to be film score composers uh-huh. you know we, uh-huh. we had just done safety of objects and then and then 9-11 happened and it was kind of super oh, wow, a huge shock yeah, and then and then the movie kind of got shelved for a little while, even though like everyone was there's all this buzz about it. And then after nine eleven, like anything dark didn't get put out right away, and the safety of objects was kind of a dark movie. But then, um, but then Rose Trochet, who was the director, asked us to do the music for this pilot, and we did. And it was it was a lot of back and forth oh, and trying to so like Rose. Trochet was also the director for that uh, for the safety of objects, right? Yes. And then Rose she, and she was, was the, she was involved in the L word as well. Yes. Oh, okay. That that okay. that's how we were asked to do that because oh. she she called us and said, "Can you do this too?" And so we did it. And then um, 
and then there's a period of time where it sat there and then we got this news like it got picked up by showtime we're like it got picked up by showtime yay <laughs> and and it it wasn't called l word yet it was called earthlings they didn't have oh. the same title yet and then oh. after it got picked up by showtime all of a sudden we were no longer we were no longer we didn't have this short job anymore then it, then we had to re-audition oh okay <laughs> with all these other composers yeah. and then they ended up picking somebody else Oh. To do the the actual show, well, so that's, that's how that goes. Sometimes. Yeah, well, that's great. And then you were also part of the VH1 documentary, New York '77, the coolest year in hell. Tell us about that one. That's such a cool thing. You uh -huh. can find it on, um, if if it's not on, on YouTube, it's on Daily Motion, I think. I'll, that's it's a great documentary. I mean, it was made in this period when VH1 was making documentaries a lot. So that was that like, was that like in this, well, what year was this? It was like, um, this was like 2006, oh, 2007. Okay. Oh, oh. Like they made this documentary about Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Uh -huh. That was kind of a big deal. And, you know, they, they were making, they, they were kind of like, isn't that rough transition between like reality shows and what are we going to do next, you know? Mm -hmm. So they were making actual documentaries. And this guy, this director, we had done like a commercial for him or something, and he was put in charge of this show. And it's a really interesting show. The year 1977 in New York was a really tumultuous year in terms of New York history. That's mm -hmm. when the blackout happened and New York was going bankrupt. Yeah. But all the soundtrack to that was the three major new music trends, which was punk, disco, and hip-hop. Uh-huh, yeah. And so it sort of traces the, those music developments going while talking about the history of the city in, in the year 1977 and then um, talking to various people including uh, Chris Stein from Blondie and uh, Richard Hell and oh, wow, then it talks to I've heard that and it talks time. <laughs> and like like KRS-One uh -huh. for hip hop and, uh, and it talks to various people in the disco scene and it's just a really interesting documentary. It's it's about ninety minutes oh. long, and anyway, so we were hired to do the music that comes in and out of the commercials, and then we were also hired to do. This is this thing that they ask composers to do a lot when they can't get the rights to something, and they've used it in the soundtrack. They've tempted with it. Then you have to do something that sounds just like it, but not enough that they'll get sued. Oh, <laughs> so that. Like, it was one whole section where we did stuff that sounded like Led Zeppelin for the blackout mm -hmm. section. They'd uh. used Led Zeppelin music for the blackout. So we, like, all of a sudden we were, like, redoing Dazed and Confused, you know? So uh, how do I find this if I wanted to watch this documentary? Is, um, it, is it on YouTube? I'll, yeah, I think so. Um, okay. I, as we're talking, I'll look it up. And my, my favorite part was they used, there was this song by Richard Hell and the Vodoids uh -huh. that they couldn't get the rights to. Mm -hmm. And we we had to do it. We had to do something that sounded like it, but it was a really cool song. And and I made it about that something was going on in the movie. How their Chris Stein was explaining how like they would get kicked out of Studio Fifty Four because they weren't cool enough. They, the punks would try to go and get in Studio Fifty Four, and they would they they couldn't Studio get past 54. the, the they yeah. couldn't get past the doorman because they were too too punk. So I made the lyrics about that. And then 
And then they did get the rights to the Richard Hell song, but they still use this song that I wrote the lyrics for as like a kind of a featured song during the section where they talked about not being able to get into Studio 54. So, I don't mm. know. I really like that. It's a pretty cool song. Wow. But um, that's, I would love to watch it if I can. I mean, if it's available. I'll look it up. I'll look it up and... Uh um, on the, I watched it. I watched it with my girlfriend during the pandemic, so I know it's around. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I'll look it up. Um, oh, here it is. It's on. It's in. It's on YouTube. Okay, I'll go find it. It's called NY seventy seven, the coolest year in hell. Okay, I'll look. I'll look that up. You know, we're looking forward to um, you know to your um, to your latest album that's going to be released called Divisions, coming out in March of twenty twenty one, and yeah. um, and. Uh, Big shout out to Shauna at Shameless Promotions PR, you know, for uh, for bringing in all these amazing um, artists like you. It's a big, big uh, shout out to Shauna. Yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I, I appreciate talking with you. I really, um, I'm really looking forward to the the you know the rest of your project that you be that you be releasing in the future as well. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really nice of you to, to set this up. I really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy the record and the album when it comes out. Yeah, and, uh, I'll, I'll play. Uh, I think I'll play. I, I like tightrope a lot, and I love the lyrics of tightrope. So I'll, I'll, I think I'll play that right after this interview, and then uh, that'd be we'll, great. We'll, maybe we'll play some division as well, and some Blondie songs that you were um, involved in. Cool. Um, <laughs> maybe from that um, from that greatest hits or that that, that song that just that, she, that came out, um, the one that you um, you co-produced. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, um, um, in the, the flesh. Two, two times blue. Yeah, two times and two times blue. That's yeah. a good one. Okay. There's another, but there's another Blondie song that after all of that we did for the Blondie uh, the album for Debbie. Blondie started to think that we were kind of interesting for the next album, and so we presented a lot of songs we did with Debbie over the next few years to them, mm-hmm. and they used this song as the first song on the next album, which was called D Day. Yeah, the song's called D Day. Okay, D-Day. Uh-huh. D-Day, like 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 in like in World War 2, D-Day. Oh, okay, okay. And uh it was the first song on this album The Panic of Girls. And that's a really great song and they they used like a lot of my guitars and everything and the the drums are from our drummer are, are from our drum machine and then they just put Blondie on top of it like Clem played on top of it the drums and I don't know. It's a really cool song. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah, well, you know, thank you so much for coming on You're the show, welcome. and uh, you know, I, I I know we have a lot more to talk about, but uh, I'm looking at the time. But you know, you know, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll have you back on the show again, you know, another time. That, you know, when you I love it. I yeah, you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate. You know, I know how much time it takes to curate shows like this and yeah, you know, do it on you know, do it with the love of music that you ha- oh, that yeah. you and you're in the well, interview. just it it means a lot to mm. people like me who've. You, you know, there's just not that many avenues for music unless you're playing like something really commercial, you know? Yeah. And to have to know that there's someone like you out there making, like paying really close oh, yeah. attention to music and, and doing it each week. It's a huge thing. I really appreciate it. No, yeah. I mean, we, we got to like, I mean, support, you know, the, the music industry, right? Especially now, especially this yeah. genre of music that, you know, that would never die, you know? Um, I, you know, and so it keeps it going. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you so much, Charlie Nealon. Yeah, thank That's you. That's me. <laughs> and thank, thank you, DJ Nocturna. Really appreciate it. Thank you.